Welcome to the Dying Desk Podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. I've mentioned before that one of the, the greatest things you can ask a person is, what's your why? You might not want to ask it exactly like that because it can sound a little aggressive. But finding out the why behind the reason why people do things is really, really telling. It's one of the best questions as a journalist, honestly, that I ever ask. And it's the thing that keeps me wanting to be a journalist, truthfully. So today's why is one of the best stories I've heard in years. My guest is a guy named Mark Goldman. Mark reached out to me over the summer, sent me an email about something called the 13 for 13 Heroes mission. It's a mission that he came up with to honor the lives of the 13 military members who lost their lives in that suicide bombing in Kabul that happened during the US withdrawal from Afghanistan. Do you remember that? So Mark came up with this idea to compete in 13 Ironman or half Ironman distance races over the course of three years to honor the lives that were lost that day. An Ironman, if you're not familiar, is 140.6 miles of racing. It's all in one day, 17 hours. It's a 2.4 mile swim. It's 112 miles on a bike and then 26.2 miles running. So a full marathon at the end of that. Each race that Mark has plotted out is taking place near where the families of those individuals live. So all over the country. Mark is not a pro athlete. He's a regular guy who does extraordinary things. He's a husband, he's a dad, he's an amateur athlete. He is a business person. He lives in Minnesota. He's not a veteran. He has zero personal connection to the people who died. Like not one bit, not a relative. He's just a good guy. And he had this idea to make sure that these families know that he cares and that other people care about their family's loss and sacrifice and that that all of it was meaningful and that it will be remembered on some way. So that's why he's on the show today. So today's challenge to you in this Dying to Ask podcast is to think about ways that you can take what he's doing and maybe see if it, it jogs something in you on ways that you could be part of something bigger than yourself. There is so much power in doing something for someone else purely because you wanna make a difference, not because you wanna get something out of it, you know? If you're going into something just because you want something out of it, that is not volunteering and that is not doing something selfless. If you want to find out what you're made of, do something really hard for someone without expecting anything in return. And that is what Mark Goldman is doing. That's it. Okay. So I heard about what he was doing, started looking into it. And as I started talking to him over email, I realized that like something really special was happening. And the amount of time that he's stretching this out over three years is I think the genius in this mission that he's come up with. So race four of the 13 will be taking place in Ironman, California in Sacramento. And at the finish line will be the family of Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole G. G grew up in this area. She was only 23 years old. She was helping with the evacuation efforts when this bombing happened. She served as a maintenance technician with the 24th Marine Expeditionary Unit. And days before she died, she posted a picture on Instagram. This picture was everywhere, where she was holding this little Afghani baby. And the caption that she wrote on this picture was, I love my job. I love my job. She left behind a husband of five years and her family in Roseville, California. Mark Goldman's 13 for 13 Heroes is supported by the Iron Man Foundation, and it's really starting to get a lot of attention, and it should. 
on this dying to ask, we'll tell you where the idea for the 13 for 13 heroes actually came from. What Mark was doing when he was like, wait a minute, I think I got this great idea. We'll talk about why and how the families of the 13 service members honored, how they're reacting to this gesture from a total stranger. Why Mark specifically structured this mission over three years, very strategic and so smart. How does a working father or husband fit in the training to take this on over and over again? We'll talk about how the experience is changing him as a person. The power of doing something hard for someone while expecting nothing in return. That is what we're talking about this week. And it is a true honor to have Mark Goldman on as my guest on this week's Dying to Ask. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the Dying to Ask podcast. I've been looking forward to this conversation since we first started emailing each other over the summertime. So thank you for reaching out and letting me know about this crazy and really wonderful thing that you're, you're in the middle of right now. Well, thank you for the interest. And as a fellow Ironman athlete, I know you of all people would appreciate, uh, you know, sort of what goes into making this happen. So it's, it's a big honor. Well, I appreciate it from like the athletic part, but I also appreciate it from the organizational part and getting the, the message out because that, that part of it can be even more exhausting than I think the, the physical part of doing the work <laughs> to get there. It, it has, uh, I, I said to somebody that I never imagined that my journey in triathlon and doing this stuff, the, the most meaningful, enriching part of it would actually come off the course. Because um, we all train for big goals and those big finish lines are really important. But um, taking on this mission to complete these 13 races and getting to know the families of these fallen heroes and, and their stories and just the passion around what, how they served and how they lived um, has been life-changing, really. And we have a connection. I'm based out of Sacramento. We have a connection with one of those, you know, incredibly brave people that you were talking about, mm -hmm. which is, you know, what also brought you here for Ironman California to Sacramento. Yeah. Where did the idea for doing this come from? And what is your background that made you think I could do this? Yeah, no, that's a really great question because I, I'll be first to admit, I have no personal connection to any of the 13. I'm not a relative. I'm not a distant cousin. I am not even friends. I never knew any of, uh, of, of the 13 or their families personally. But um, like a lot of Americans, I think at the conclusion of the 20-year war um, and, and watching what unfolded in those, in those days and the loss of, of life here, it, it just deeply affected me. I have a 17-year-old daughter. She's my only kid. And, you know, you look at the ages of the 13 who died in, in those last days, all of them were born on or around 9-11. And the way it connects to my fitness journey is that I actually made the decision to get healthy and to invest in myself um, the year of the 10th anniversary of 9-11. My first race of any kind was the Chicago Half Marathon on 9-11-11. Um, and so I've always had this deep personal interconnection between the events of 9-11 and, and my journey to triathlon. And so uh, what I found myself in was at that 20th year, 
um, racing in Madison, Wisconsin, um, on the bike at, at the second hour. And just in my head, as you know, you get into racing and you are just thinking about all these different things. And what replayed over and over in my head was all of the memories and the eulogies that were coming out um, around the events of, of August 26th. And I said, you know, we, 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 have, to, we have to do something. Um, and the other piece of this is uh, my father's a veteran, my grandfather's a veteran, my dad served in Vietnam and came home to, you know, let's face it, an ungrateful nation in some, in some cases. And I know it deeply affected him. And so it was a, a real burning passion to say, we can't let this happen to another generation. We can't let it happen to my daughter's generation. And so um, I put it out there to my triathlon training friends that uh, I was going to dedicate the next 13 races I did to um, each of the fallen and try to do my best to honor their memories and tell their stories. Um, but little did I know that the families themselves were listening. And in February, one of the families of the 13 reached out to me and said, hey, we just love what you're doing. And we think we thank you. Um, our son used to volunteer at water stops at the Ironman race in our hometown. And he was there every year. We loved it. Um, we, we love the idea of doing hard things in memories of our kids. And I realized at that point we were onto something pretty special here. Um, wow. And I, just, I just got chills when you said that because you never could have known that. No, never in a million years. Um, and, uh, you know, I knew that I was going to stay in the sport for, for a while and it has renewed my passion. Um, I spent the first 10 years doing it for me and now I can spend these next years doing it for them and, and for their families. And I've had to, you know, obviously, you know, invest in training and, and stay consistent and, and, and make sure that I can be there in that moment to, to do this. But, um, I'm also grateful for the Ironman organization, particularly the Ironman Foundation, which uh, has long supported our veterans through many initiatives, one of which is the Gold Star Initiative, where they've invited veterans to uh, carry a flag at races um, in honor of, of a fallen service member. But again, the connection there is it was a veteran doing it for one of their fallen brothers or sisters. And I asked myself, where's Where's the civilian responsibility? Where's, where's that connection? All of us who you know, owe our freedom and owe a lot to the men and women who served for 20 years and served multiple generations. And this is my way of sort of plussing up what was already an awesome experience to say, hey, it's not just up to the veterans to remind us of the service. It's up to all of us to do it together. And so when the foundation got involved, um, because if you go onto the website, like it, this, is a, this is like a formal deal. This is a deal this deal is. now, right? So yes. when they kind of got involved and this became bigger, then what happened? Yeah, uh, and, and I'll admit, you know, um, I spent months reaching out to the foundation and look, I mean, there's thousands of athletes who all have amazing causes and they can't take them all on. And in the magic of, this all happening, this was one that really resonated with them. And so, you know, I was honored that they even out of all the ones that they probably get solicited to and, and, and suggested to, um, you know, they, they allowed it. Um, and so what happened was we set out to put a calendar together uh, to map out the different races um, and to, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, the uh, families of these uh, fallen service members would have the unique opportunity to be at the finish line, literally right underneath that, that finishing marquee with, with our names on it. Um, and, and to have the race announcers tell a little bit about their loved one's story as uh, that, that last red carpet finish is happening. Um, and, 
that's been that's been incredible to watch. Uh, it really has. So have you then you've mapped it out to be is it usually a race that is relatively close to where one of these families lives? That was that was a big piece of it, right? I said to Iron Man, um, you know, one of the things that could make this really uh, magical is to uh, draw the hometown community together. And of course, that's not always possible. Ironman races aren't in every state, um, but we've been able to uh, get them relatively close. So the very first race, for example, was in Oceanside, California for Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui, who grew up in Norco, California, which is about, you know, an hour and a half away. But, you know, it's also next door to Camp Pendleton where he trained. Uh, he was part of uh, 2-1 Ghost Company, which is based on, the, on, on Camp Pendleton. And so you had literally hundreds of of United States Marine Corps, uh, you know, uh, officers and and um, and service members there to be part of that, um, and and so we've been able to after that go to Des Moines, Iowa, uh, to race uh, for Lance Corporal Jarrett Schmitz, who was from St. Louis. That was the closest race, uh, and and it was really incredible to see his family actually travel, you know, to Des Moines and, and be part of that. And then the third race that just happened a couple of weeks ago was in Muncie, Indiana, which is uh, nearby where uh, Corporal Humberto Sanchez uh, grew up in Logansport. Uh, and so his family and, and a lot of his friends were able to come down and see that race. So it's about creating connections within the community and, and celebrating the life and service of these individuals nearby where they, where they grew up and where they were, where they were from. There's so many things I love about this. Um, one of the things I love about it is that you're not doing this all like jammed into a year, which a lot of times when people do something like this, they do it really fast. Cause that's like part of the allure. It's, you know, 12 races, 12 months, something like that. Right. You have spread this out over three years, which from a news perspective, I think is so smart because you extend the story and you let the story build and you let it breathe a little bit. And as I stopped you on LinkedIn, I saw you were a reporter way back when. <laughs> you I was, this. yes, yes. And- and it's funny you you mentioned that because uh, you know and and of course like many who've been in the TV business you end up on the other side in corporate America um, helping to deliver messages and so I've spent between the time telling stories and reporting and and doing it on the corporate side helping other people get their message out and and so uh, one of the things I love about this is is it's it's a chance to use all these skills and all this understanding of how the media environment works and how stories get. Uh, shared, um, particularly in social today, um, but doing it in something that that is about something I'm passionate about, rather than somebody like a corporate leader or or somebody else, um, and to help continue to give a megaphone to these families to make sure that their their loved ones are remembered. I mean, if you watched all of the uh, services for the 13 that took place shortly after they they got back uh, to to U.S. soil. The universal truth was their families stood up and said, don't ever forget my loved one. Don't ever forget. Well, how can we help them make sure that that happens? And my answer was, let's spread these races out. Let's do this over a period of time. Um, and there is a there is a culmination of all of this, too. And, you know, those of us who race Ironman know that um, the the gold standard, the 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 place that everybody wants to be is the Ironman World Championship in Kona, Hawaii. Um, all eyes of the world are on that event. And so the idea was to complete 13 races and do a special 14th race at the Ironman World Championship and invite all the families to be part of that. Uh, Again, an impact uh, and a reach um, that literally we can prove to them that we're honoring that commitment. So talk a little bit about this. Um, 
I, I mean, I would imagine these families have had communication outside of obviously, you know, your efforts. Mm-hmm. They, they have, I have no doubt, have formed a bond, some of them, with these other families yeah. who are the only people on the planet who can understand what they're going through on the same level. But as this goes on, and as they have learned about what Iron Man is and what you're doing, I would imagine that's also created another kind of level of that community that they now have with each other. Yes. And it's not just the gold star families of the 13. It's the silver star families of those wounded in action. Um, two weeks ago, when we raced in Muncie, Indiana, um, uh, Coral Doolittle, the mother of, of Corporal Sanchez, was surrounded by um, Corporal Kelsey Langhart, who was one of the most critically injured Marines. She came out to be part of that and was friends with Sergeant Nicole G, who we will race for in, in Sacramento. And Sergeant G's best friend, who lived with her in, in North Carolina, Mallory Harrison, Sergeant Mallory Harrison, who lives in Indiana now, came out to be part of it. Um, and those are moments that are incredibly powerful because they are not alone. Um, they, and, and of all people in that moment to understand a little piece of, of what, they've, what they've lost and what they continue to go through, um, that's really the, the beauty of this. The racing's almost secondary to, uh, that moment to say, hey, Sergeant Mallory Harrison giving a hug to the mother of Humberto Sanchez um, is a deep personal connection that, that uh, I'm so honored that that was able to happen because of what we're doing. Have you been able to have a lot of communication with these families before the races? How do you, did. How do you work that? Well, and, and this is the classic example of throw a pebble in the water and watch the ripple just expand, right? Uh, and so once the first family uh, that I mentioned sort of said, this, was, this is amazing, um, the dialogue started to open and that trust started to build. And so I've, you know, before I do any of these races, I spend a good amount of time helping to get to know and, and to be, um, you know, at least comfortable with uh, the families. And I want to be able to tell stories and, and be able to share some personal um, anecdotes uh, about who these 13 were. And so uh, I've, I've spent, you know, a lot of time at the resting places of these 13 with their parents, um, just talking about those memories. And, uh, you know, it's been a, 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 hopefully a meaningful experience for them where they can, you know, feel like they're talking to somebody who um, just out of pure heart uh, and and just wants to do their fair share. Uh, and then just the idea that, you know, we have this moment at the finish line where they get to see, uh, you know, the flag of their son or daughter uh, get carried down in front of thousands of people and, and honored. And I hand that to them. Plus the finisher's medal, um, you know, uh, is, and I, I said to uh, the mother of, of uh, Lance Corporal Schmitz, I said, look, it's not my business. I'm, I'm not a veteran. I'm not a member of the military. It's not my job to hand out medals of honor. Um, but this is the highest honor as a civilian that I know I can give you. Um, and that's, that's a bond that um, I hope, uh, I hope gives them some comfort. Yeah. So what do you do when you're not doing this? <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> you have a- you mentioned your dad. Tell me a little bit about like, just like your, your yeah. life, life, your other life. Sure. Well, you know, um, I, uh, and obviously training and racing takes up a considerable amount of time, but, um, you know, I, I am in, in corporate life. I, I do, uh, corporate communications for, a for a, a consumer goods company and, um, based here in Minnesota. Um, so I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, steeped in, uh, public relations and, and brand and, and communications work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I lead a, a 
weekly ride out out of uh, Minnesota here at one of the bike shops to uh, you know really create a social community and a network here in town, um, and that's been a really meaningful part of the racing as well. But then you know it's family life. Uh, you know we're uh, uh, I spent the summer as a part time uh, driving instructor, getting my uh, oh. now soon to be seventeen year old uh, over the hurdle on getting a driver's license. So it's, it's terrifying, isn't it? It's dad stuff. It's dad stuff. <laughs> you know. It is terrifying, and they don't want to. They don't want to get a driver's license quickly anymore. You know, I know our our generation wanted to get it. You know, the moment we could and first they, day. And, yeah, <laughs> they're on a, they're on a slower train, unfortunately. So yeah. So I guess I bring this up just because, like, people think, oh, well, they, they might think that it, it it has taken up every other part of your life, and this is all you're doing. It's not. It's one part no. of your life, but it's a commitment that you've made. But you've got you have a very full life cut outside of it. Mm. I do. And, and that's, you know, making it all fit is, is what, uh, you know, those of us who do this, not for anything other than the, the chase, uh, you know, can appreciate. Um, but I will say that uh, on those mornings, and there are many uh, at 530 when the alarm goes off, and you know that you have to get that swim in, or you have to get out on the run, uh, knowing what, what the purpose is, uh, that it's not for you, um, and that you need to be ready for that moment, um, gives you that extra little boost, uh, mm -hmm. when it's minus five and there's 10 inches of snow on the ground, uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, honest, honestly, Mark, I can't think of a worse place on the planet to train year round <laughs> for this sport than where you live. Uh, yes. And, and we, you know, we, embrace every element of the, of the winter here, but, uh, if, if you haven't, consumed it, it is uh, an acquired taste. That's for sure. I, I lived in that part of the country and I, I was working in Des Moines and one of the places that would frequently recruit me with the TV stations in Minneapolis. Yes. And I was like, there's just no way. I, <laughs> I just, no, no, hard no. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I've, I've, I've learned sports and things you might see behind me. There's, there's a bike with four oh, inch yeah. tires on it that you can actually <laughs> bike on frozen lakes which took me about three years just to get comfortable with. And now we yeah. end up out to, out to your ice fishing break. house. I'm sure. Yes. 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 Ice, fishing. Some ice um, fishing. Skate skiing is another big one. You know, people skate ski to work around here at times. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. Hardy, hardy people. I have no doubt. Hardy, um, hardy sure. people. Yeah. So let me ask you just some of the logistics of how you're doing yes. this. So the room yeah. that you're in right now for people who are listening, I'm just going to describe you describe what where you are you're in what uh triathletes would call their pain cave which is usually a room or part of the garage where you just have all your athletic gear so you can work out inside and i have to say you have one of the more spectacular ones that i've ever seen before well th it's a pandemic project i will tell you absolutely like oh we've got the same thing in our garage full disclosure right you know this, that's how <laughs> that's how it happened and it's about the cleanest you'll ever see it too i did that just for this <laughs> I like it. So you've got the treadmill, you got the weight equipment. Tell me a little bit about how, what the training is like for people who aren't familiar. How are you doing the training for this? Because no disrespect, you're not a professional athlete. No, no. And I'm not going to win any of these races. Um, it's, you know, it, a lot of it has to happen, you know, indoors. Uh, and thanks to a lot of technological advances, you can hook up a bike now to a very fancy electronic uh, trainer that allows you to uh, virtually enter worlds where it simulates uh you know the terrain and you can actually connect with other athletes and race them and and it really it's a it's a fantasy world it's like it's like a gamer meets cyclist meets triathlete totally called totally called zwift and you know people have gotten very strong especially through the pandemic uh the treadmill behind me gets uh, overworked um and then you know it's early mornings in the pool 
Um, and then as soon as the water warms up enough, we're out in the open water of lakes here. So it's funny, everybody's uh, stressing about the water temperature in Sacramento on October 23rd when the race is there. And, and they're throwing numbers out that I'm like, oh, please, that's like 10 Nothing. degrees warmer than what I get. Exactly. Um, exactly. So the structure of the training is, you know, I, I like to tell people we try to get, um, you know, uh, two bikes, two swims, two runs in, um, obviously different durations, different intensities during the week, um, plus a little bit of strength training to keep, uh, you know, to keep the flexibility and to keep the, um, you know, the, the endurance going, um, the ability to handle the, the wear and tear. Uh, and then, you know, I'm fortunate to, you know, have a really good training program that, you know, the training is very structured. I can, I can wake up and know exactly what I need to do that day to get me one inch closer to, to where I need to be on race day. You mentioned getting up early, which is always one of the greatest hacks for anybody who's trying to fit, um, an exercise program or a physical goal into a schedule, especially when they have, you know, a real life outside of it, um, getting up early, you just get to it. You, you do, you get to it. Um, it you, what you discover is, is the mind over mattress mentality and it's probably a cliche. <laughs> you know, it's, if I just get myself to vertical and get myself into the, it's, it, it's almost like, you know, reflexive that you just kind of uh, get into it. Coffee always helps too. And so triathletes are, are like connoisseurs of, of the best, most intense, highly caffeinated brews out there. And I won't lie, I need more than my fair share. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Well, I do early morning news. So I, yeah, I front load the day like that too. And I always say like, whether it's working out or it's working at those hours, it's halfway done before you've really woken up. And that's, that's exactly really, right. That's kind of a delicious thing. And you do get to a point where like, it gets to be 9am and you feel like the day is already kind of over. And it's not even worth starting something if it's that time. So <laughs> definite and, mentality there. Well, and, and the day gets away from me, a lot of unexpected things. Um, you know, in your line of work, it's breaking news. In my line of work, it's an issue or a crisis that comes up at three o'clock in the afternoon. And you can find yourself uh, looking at that window of time that you thought you had at 5 p.m., uh, you know, disappearing before you know it. And so right. that, er that early morning is really where it happens. The other piece is Saturdays and Sundays. And this is where I'll, I'll just speak up about the sacrifice uh, from a family perspective. You know, my, my wife and daughter have been very, very gracious to know that Saturdays and Sunday mornings before noon, they won't, they won't see me. Um, you know, we get up and these are when the really long rides and the really long runs happen. And, and, and so those can be sometimes five to seven hours worth of, of work. Um, and, you know, I get up and, and disappear for that morning. And the deal is, uh, you know, they know that I'll be ready for them, you know, about three o'clock in the afternoon, but they, they've been willing to give me that. And I'm, I'm always grateful. That's great. Yeah, it is. It is a family kind of commitment too. we have a, a nearly 17 year old and a 13 year old. And when I kind of committed to redoing the race again this year, I, I suddenly realized, you know, they're not awake anyway on the weekends, teenagers. Yeah. So, you know, that getting up early and getting in that workout, it wasn't as big of an imposition as it might've been when they were smaller. So yeah, we get up early. We do the same thing. We do the long ride. We do the long run mm -hmm. and they're just kind of rolling out of bed. Like, what were you doing? You know? So it, yeah, it, right. there are ways to fit it in. So when people ask, you know, how, how do these Gen Xers do these things? You just have yes. to look at you. Sometimes you got to look at your day and go, well, where is the time? Where's yes. the time that I might be doing something else where maybe I can do this for whatever reason that I'm doing it. That's exactly right. And, um, uh, and, and what I've discovered is, is that my daughter's kind of gotten curious about it over time. And you know, she's joined me a couple of times for, for some workouts. And, and so we're trying to make it a, more of a family affair as much as possible. I, I, don't know if we'll, I don't know if we'll ever see her do what I'm doing, but you know, every, you know, and you don't have to be, you know, an Ironman athlete to, 
to really, uh, I think, make the investment in yourself. Yeah, no, we have yet to see any interest from those who live in our house, but uh, hopefully, hopefully one of these days will kick in. So let's talk about the actual race days. You tell, tell me what that day is like and what you do during the race that also brings the visual significance to it while you're racing. Sure. Uh, and, and that, that's one of the unique parts of, of what I'm doing is that, um, while the gold star initiative for Ironman was, uh, focused on carrying the flag during the run portion of any race, um, I went to Ironman and said, I'm committed to carrying it the full distance, um, and starting the race with the, with the gold star family. Um, and so the flag is folded for the swim in the bike. And I joined the family in a private moment where we actually hold that flag and, um, and, and then we start the process of, of putting it into my bike jersey. In fact, I've got, we, we actually have a, this is Nicole G's uh, flag for Sacramento and we obviously honor it the way we should, but um, fortunately it fits perfectly in, in, the, in the back of that bike jersey um, and, and race kit. And I can then put a wetsuit over the top of it and, and keep it you know, protected and safe for that first part. And then obviously on the bike, um, it stays there. But then the family meets me in what we know as uh, you know, transition two, which is between the bike portion of the race and the run. And they're actually holding a flagpole, which we give to them in advance. Um, and it has a second flag on it. And that is the flag of their, their loved one's name. Uh, and I hand them this flag uh, to add to that flagpole at the top. Um, and, and then I carry on with, with the run portion. And of course, you know, when you're, when you're carrying, you know, these flags, um, on a race course, Sacramento will have almost 4,000 athletes, uh, probably, you know, 10,000 or more spectators, um, just by virtue of, of the size of the race, uh, every, every interaction and every moment is a chance to share a story or just get a fist bump or just get a thank you. Um, and, you know, I really enjoy that time, uh, out you know, and for a marathon, it's over, you know, four and a half hours, uh, you know, to, to, to do that, you know, moment by moment honoring of their loved one. So, um, during, and then, so during the actual run, you're carrying it on the flagpole, carrying, carrying it on the flagpole and carrying it the full distance of the race. Um, and, uh, it's, um, you know, something I've had to train for, uh, you know, some of my long runs have been with a flagpole, um, you know, and being ready. Uh, I, I train so that I know that, you know, my body is not going to, operate the same way it would if I was competing with without uh, a flagpole. Um, and uh, it's, it's important to me that not only the American flag is seen, um, which is obviously the symbol that that, you know, is so sacred, but the name flag as well, so that they can, uh, they know exactly who we're racing for. So for example, in Sacramento, Nicole G's name will be shown when when you're running. So it's so obvious for everybody to see and appreciate. So obvious, and um, I'm very grateful to the Ironman Foundation because one of the other things we're going to do is um, we're going to have a special area at Mile 23 where we'll have some images of her. Um, and there's a very famous one of her caring for an Afghan baby just outside uh, the Abbey Gate, um, which was you know shared all over the world and went pretty viral. Um, but you know, uh, her family has shared with me so many amazing stories about uh, the woman and and the uh, service member she was. Um, a Marine's Marine, uh, somebody who, you know, had just deep, deep commitment to being positive. Um, and there's a, a phrase that I have found on her Instagram profile 
that I carry with me all the time. And um, she called herself a positive mental attitude advocate on, on her own profile. That's how she described herself. She didn't describe herself as a U.S. Marine. She didn't describe herself as, you know, a 23-year-old from, from Roseville, California. She described herself as a positive mental attitude advocate. And one of her Instagram posts, the caption is just so elegantly simple. And the caption reads, positive mental attitude cures all. And mm. so we're going we're gonna to blow that up real big at mile 23 um, and, and make sure all the racers have line of sight to it so that, um, you know, if, if they need that final measure of encouragement in the last few miles of that race, um, they'll get it from her. Seeing all of those pictures after that, you know, horrendous day, it, you couldn't help but be touched. Being local to Sacramento and Roseville and seeing her picture and then finding out what an athlete she was herself and so yeah. young. Um, the, the, the connection that our community has to her and her family and the sacrifice has been tremendous. Um, it was, it, it, it hit deep for so many people because they saw their sister, their daughter, their, you know, the kid next door, they saw a lot of different things. What has struck you about her case specifically? I, I mean, obviously just that, that yeah. idea, the, the positive um, attitude is yes. so powerful, but what, what about her? Maybe as a, a dad of a girl, I would imagine yeah. too, it yeah. hits you kind of differently. It does. Um, and, and I, I see, you know, elements of, of my own daughter and, and elements of Nicole and my daughter. And that's a, that's a really powerful connection. Um, I think, you know, more than any other type of event, Ironman, really is true in my view to the essence of, of who Sergeant Nicole G was. Um, you know, her family describes uh, that she has had perfect scores on all of her Marine Corps fitness tests. And she was the one, according to a couple of family members who at the end of the run portion of that fitness test would finish at the top, near the top. And she would go back to the last person who was struggling to finish and run with them and encourage them to, to finish it out. And I think about what happens between athletes on an Ironman course, people who are having a tough day and we give them words of encouragement and, and, and that happens thousands of times in, in that moment. Um, she's the one who, you know, just a few weeks before she, she passed away, um, set weightlifting records at Al Jabbar Air Base um, right. and, you know, deadlifting uh, and, and bench pressing, uh, dare I say, more than more than I could in some cases. I mean, let's face it, triathletes don't focus on our upper body strength. Um, but she, you know, was so committed and so passionate about making herself stronger and better. And she held herself to very high standards and other people to very high standards. And, and to me, that's sort of what the essence of, of the Ironman movement really is all about. Um, I, I had the um, unbelievable honor of coming out to um, the Roseville area for her birthday and, and her whole family went on a hike um, up uh, at Hidden Falls where she and her sister used to spend a lot of time together. And so spent a lot of time getting to understand um, just how giving she was of herself and, um, and her time and, and volunteerism. And I think, you know, the greatest way we can honor her memory and her legacy is to carry that on in some small way, each of us. Um, we can all sacrifice a little bit of ourselves for those who, who sacrificed everything is, is the, at the end of the day, I think, where I, where I think. Have you given any thought to writing a book about this experience? Oh, not, you know, it's a really, it's, it's a good question. I think um, 
there's definitely something there uh, to, to, to weave all these stories together. Um, you know, I, I, I want to always be mindful and respectful of the families and, and where they are. Um, but my hope is as, as time continues to go on and they feel the love in the surroundings um, and they can achieve a new normal um, mm -hmm. in life um, that, that we can find a way to immortalize this uh, for, for others. Um, because I do think um, we, we can break the cycle uh, that we as a nation have had with you know, wars end and we turn the page so quickly. Um, and in this, you know, 24 seven social media, what, you know, move on to the next thing so quickly culture, um, pausing for a moment and reflecting and, and, and remembering is, is one of the gifts that we can give all of ourselves, I think. Well, that, that's why I bring it up is to me, um, the ability to come back to those moments, um, as we were talking about extending the story and, and mm -hmm. linking the stories together, it would just be not that you need another thing to do right now, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I think it would be really nice to be able to have that later to reflect on. And, and it's just such a great lesson about how one person can make a difference regardless of whatever your talents and your abilities are, there's always some way to let even perfect strangers know that you care. Right. And, and, you know, I think investing the time and really getting to understand, um, you know, we all can read a hundred characters or, you know, we can all read a, a one paragraph and move on in our day. But when you really take a moment to step back and invest in uh, understanding the depths of character um, of, of each of these service members. Um, and, and by the way, they are just 13 of 2,461 who died in Afghanistan alone over the course of uh, 20 years and you know 7,000 more in the broader global war on terror. I mean, this is not exclusive to 13. They just happen to you know, be the last 13 during that 20-year war. They happen to be the relative same age as the you know, time the war existed. Um, and I think that's, you know, gives them a, a, a different place symbolically. It was also the second largest loss of life in a single day in Afghanistan over 20 years. And ironically enough, it happens in the final hours of, of, our, of our presence there. Um, there's so many different pieces to this that if we just take a moment to understand all of that and ask ourselves, what, what's one thing we can do? Um, the mother of uh, Cheryl Rex, who uh, Cheryl Rex, who is the mother of, excuse me, of, of uh, Lance Corporal Dylan Marola, who um, is from Rancho Cucamonga, uh, California, um, has started this, uh, you know, sort of rallying cry to say, "Live like Dylan," um, mm. and 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 she reminds people of how Dylan lived and how generous he was, and and that's become a, a bit of a rallying cry for that community. Um, so I think those things are all great connections. How are you most changed by this experience so far? Um, it opened me up, um, to a level of compassion and understanding that I didn't know I, uh, that was, that was capable of really, to be honest that's with you. Very, um, that's very honest. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, you know, uh, the, the sport of triathlon could be a very me centric sport, right? Uh, you're competing for your own finish time. You're trying to better yourself. You're trying to chase the, the next best day. Um, it's isolating, it's alone, um, and uh, really, truly um, investing the time uh, to be ready to have that one moment, that one moment of handing an American flag to the family of a service member has, is life-changing. I mean, you just, you just don't 
ever forget that. Um, and it's it's opened me up to um, having a better understanding of the of the difficulties that our veterans uh, continue to face, um, and and the importance of all of us doing our part to make sure that they're taken care of. Um, you know, I've had the distinct pleasure of meeting a lot of those who did come home um, and who were there that day and who you know rescued and saved lives and and you know through the entire course of it. And they are struggling too mentally, um, and they you know they saw things. Um, they, they had to endure things that um, all of us could not possibly understand in that, in that moment of the withdrawal. And, and so we owe it to them to surround them with the support that we need, uh, they need, and, and to help them, you know, be, um, you know, be, be in a place where they can move on in their own lives and succeed. How can people get involved and support you in this? Yeah. Um, the Ironman Foundation is, is the core of, of where we're doing. We've set a, a goal of, of raising $130,000 over this time period of, of four years. Um, so at ironmanfoundation.org, um, you can search 13 for 13 heroes. And that's how we've dubbed this mission. Um, and it is that, a mission. Uh, and uh, you know we're going to continue to um, you know encourage people to contribute. Um, the Ironman Foundation gives um, thousands of dollars in grants to um, veteran and active military causes um, and, and have done that for years. Um, they, since the foundation started, they've given out $33 million in grants to various community support pieces. And so um, I'm proud to partner with them because they, they understand uh, where that money needs to go. They understand how to connect it to the right places. Um, so I, you know, my focus is on getting, getting ready for race day. Um, and, and so that's, that's how we're going to, how we're going to get this done. Um, I know people, especially if they're in the, the greater Sacramento area and the race day will be hoping to kind of catch an eye and catch you on the course. Do you have a projected target time you're hoping to cross the finish line in? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get this done in about 12 hours. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. you'll be long before me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and, and that was one of the things that I committed to Ironman with. I said, well, you know, I don't want to be finishing like when, when nobody knows I'm there. I want to finish sort of when the, when the crowd is at its peak. So right. I've, I've trained very, very aggressively to, to try to hit that goal. Okay. Um, yeah. So well, that is impressive, especially since you're carrying a flag for a marathon. That is incredibly <laughs> impressive. <laughs> But as you know, a lot can happen on race day. And That's I always, true. But um, I will tell you, there is not, there's nothing quite like being in the middle of a marathon, knowing you're keeping a gold star waiting at, at a finish line. It, it does kick an extra gear into you. I would imagine you that's very true. Well, it is a loop course. So at some point I will see you yes. coming at me. You'll be a little ahead of me, um, yes. but I will, I will be high-fiving you on that course. I promise. Hey, I will be looking for any and all high fives I can get. Um, <laughs> I, I, people have run with me for a mile or two and I've had a chance to, you know, tell a story. Um, and one of the great things is they've actually redesigned the course this year to where it's two loops around the Capitol. So double the fun. Um, I'm hoping that the crowds are, are huge for us because as you know, that last six miles or so is, is really where the, the fun begins. Yeah. Well, Mark, I, I'm so impressed with what you're doing. And just from a, a journalist perspective, um, I'm especially impressed because one of the things that that for me over the years, especially as I've gotten older and especially as I've had kids and I've watched these horrific stories and these images that have come, come through like they did on that day when those 13 lost their lives, is that I know that there's a shelf life to people's attention spans. Yeah. And I've always found it really heartbreaking because years later you might name a, a bridge or a road after someone, but people 
they don't mean to, but they do forget. And for those families, they never forget. And so the idea that you've come out and that you're going to do this for the next three years of your life and you're willing to do this, I think is just really inspiring. So when I say I'd love to see the book, I really would, because I think that that would, you know, (laughs) again, not trying to pressure you into it, but I hope that somebody was is recording this because I think it's really important for people to know that um, there are, there is a group of people that won't forget, and uh, you're helping yeah. keep that alive. And for them, I know it's just incredibly meaningful. No, and thank you, thank you for that. Um, uh, the seeds of the book, I would say, are planted on the Instagram site that we've started for Absolutely. this, which is Thirteen for Thirteen Heroes. That I do uh, put some reflections up there. Um, you know, as I'm uh, as I'm lying in bed recovering from one of these races and absorbing all that happened. Um, it's been, uh, it's been fun to write about and, and to, you know, share some of those stories. Yeah. Well, it's a remarkable journey. Best of luck to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My big takeaway from this interview is that we all have the power to help other people, small things, big things. There is something you can do. And if you go through a time in your life where you're feeling a little lost, a little untethered, My best advice to you is to go volunteer your time because the irony of giving of yourself is you always get something in return and you never know what it's going to (laughs) be, but it always gives something back to you inside. And that is up to you to define. You just got to put yourself out there and go after it. So a huge thanks to Mark Goldman, wishing you a great safe race. Thank you for what you're doing. And I hope you will look up the, uh, the group online, support them in whatever way. And if you happen to be out there on the course and you see Mark running by holding that flag, cheer him on. Best of luck to everybody in town for the Ironman California. Thanks for listening today. And we'll see you next time on the Dying Desk Podcast.